Hey, welcome to the Road Sermon Podcast, where today we jump into the powerful theme of giving up fear. As we continue our Giving Up on Christmas series, fear can be a powerful force affecting our thoughts, our actions, and especially our relationships. In today's episode, we're going to offer some practical ways to shift our focus from what ifs to what is, providing some valuable perspectives on overcoming that fear. So pop in those earbuds, settle into your favorite spot, and let's get this podcast rolling. If you joined us online, thanks for making the choice to worship with us today. Grab a Bible, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're in a series called Giving Up on Christmas, and we're not giving up on the idea of Christmas. We're giving up on the things that keep us from experiencing Christmas. Uh, Three weeks ago, Matthew shared a sermon out of the life of Herod on uh, control, giving up control. And and what we cannot control, we surrender. That's kind of what we took away from that. Then two weeks ago, we looked at a message on conflict on dealing with conflict, that there's nothing more important that we get upset about than the person, the relationship that God created us to know. Today we're going to talk about giving up on fear. Uh, So I want you to read with me chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 8, and we're going to read through verse 12. Follow along with me, if you will, in your Bible. The same region, uh, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Rightly so, would you agree? Right, sky burst open, things you've never seen are happening. You're going to be afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Four times, four times in the Christmas narrative, the phrase fear not is used. It was used with Zacharias in Luke 1.13, with Mary in Luke 1.30, with Joseph in Matthew 1.20, and today as we read uh, with the shepherds in Luke 2.10. So, If you think about their lives and the fear they had to deal with, Mary had to deal with the fear of inadequacy, right? She didn't believe she was worthy. She didn't believe God could do with her life what he said he was going to do. And and then there was Joseph who had this fear of rejection. What will people think if they find out the woman I was going to marry was pregnant? So he didn't know exactly what to do. Zacharias, the fear of an unfulfilled promise. I'm an old man, and I've never been able to have a child. Is it going to happen now? And then the shepherds, fear of the unknown, of the change that was about to happen. They're all fears we still deal with today. You can add to that fear of the future, fear of the economy, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of conflict, and on and on and on and on. As a matter of fact, this is what statisticians tell us. We're living in the most fearful generation that's ever existed that 19.1% of adults live with constant fear and anxiety. You go, wow, that's like one in five, right? That's nothing compared to what our teenagers are living with. 32% of adolescents, one in three adolescents live with the reality of fear and anxiety in their life. And the overwhelming message of Christmas is that God loved us enough to let his son, Jesus, die to pay for our sins. That's good news. But because of that, because of what Jesus has done, there's a lot of life we can live in, and one of those is fear not. 
300, over 365 times the Bible says fear not. Is that fear is a reality, so the Bible addresses it. So the message for today, the same message for the first Christmas, fear not. A lot of reasons to be afraid today. Let's be honest with you, a lot of reasons to be afraid. But for the follower of Jesus, the message is still the same. Fear not. So I, I, I had this question that uh, we're going to try to answer at the end. How do we live with fear, without fear in a frightening world? But better yet, how much fear is okay in the life of a follower of Jesus? We're going to try to answer that. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you so much. Uh, for, for the fact that we get to worship and fellowship. And Father, it's, it's exciting and it's fun. And now, Father, we, we want to be taught. We want to learn. We want to grow. Uh, we want some peace in a in sometimes crazy world. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So fear is fueled by what, what we would call a what-if mentality. Uh, and I want to go to the Old Testament to illustrate this from the life of Moses. So uh, you know Moses' story. His parents uh, put him in a, in a little basket, floated him out in order to save his life. The princess uh, finds him, takes him to the palace. He spends uh, the first 40 years of his life living the life of luxury in the palace. Then one day he's out walking and he sees an Egyptian soldier abusing a Jewish slave and he kills the guy hides him under some sand but you can't ever keep a something something like that a secret uh, pharaoh finds out and even when you are the son of the prince you can't escape the charge of murder and pharaoh says you got to die he runs for his life spends the next 40 years of his life on the backside of the desert watching over sheep living basically a life of of poverty and one day he looks up on a hill and there's a, a bush burning up there he goes up and the voice says, man, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And in chapter 4, the book of Exodus, what I'm about to tell you unfolds. God looks in verse 1 at Moses and he said, I've chosen you to lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses responds with this. What if they do not believe me or listen to me? And there it is. There is fear and anxiety in a sentence. What if? What if? You may live with what ifs. What if the doctor's report's bad? What if my kid doesn't make the team? What if, what if my kid doesn't make the grade? What if she doesn't love me? What if he doesn't love me? What if I lose my job? What if I can't retire? And listen, if you live with what ifs, there's nothing in life that you, you do that they don't touch, right? You can plan the perfect vacation. And if you live with what ifs, this is what it looks like. What if a car breaks down? What if a plane's late? What if we miss our connecting flight? What if the freezer goes out while we're gone? I mean, it just goes on, right? Right? Some of you know. Some of you really know. I saw that elbow. I did. Yeah. When you live with what is, so, so what is the solution? Well, God gives the solution to Moses in verse 2. He says, what is in your hand? You see, the, the solution to what if is what is. But what is? In this world of what is, what can you depend on? What is true? Well, we get our what is from the truth of Scripture. We go to God's Word to understand what is. Is. So here, here's, here's the first thing we're going to try to apply to our lives today. Is God moving you from a what-if mentality to a what-is mentality? I am tired of living with what-ifs. 
I am ready to live with some what is. Number two, life in this broken world makes us prone to what if. So uh, Moses, uh, he lived in the same world you and I lived in, and and he had some unfair things happen to him. Okay, so from his perspective, his parents abandoned him. Now you go, well, wait a minute, Pastor. They were saving his life. Listen, it doesn't matter why your parents abandon you. If you've been abandoned, it just matters that they did. So he looks at his life and he goes, my parents gave me away. Tragedy number one. Then, then life's pretty good. Then tragedy number two, I was trying to do the right thing and nobody understands I'm running for my life. Right? Just the, His life was no different than our lives because I'm going to tell you, life will make sure you have a reason to ask what if. So I, I lived a pretty anxiety-free life until my wife died. And it happened so fast and it was so unpredictable, then I got afraid everybody was going to die. So this is exactly my life. I couldn't let my kids go to a a, a ball practice without being there because I was afraid they'd die at the practice. I'd hang on the fence at a football practice, sit on the court at a basketball practice because I couldn't live with the reality. Man, it can happen to anybody. It can happen anytime. Phone rings, heart rate goes up. Still to this day, phone rings in the middle of the night, I'll sweat. I'll sweat. Why? Because life taught me that unfair and hard things happen and nobody gets a free pass. That causes us to start living with what ifs. And maybe the same things happen to you. A broken broken romance has made you fear any romance. A failed marriage has made you a horrible mate for the marriage that you're in now because you're what ifs. A close call makes you fear every doctor's appointment. Or the loss of somebody you love makes you feel fear losing everyone you love. Life can teach us to expect the worst to live with what ifs. And then those what ifs, they're, they're hypotheticals. They have lots of kids. It's never like just one what if. Like, like you have a curfew for your kid, right? Kid turns 16, so you get a curfew, 10 o'clock. And it's 10.01 and they're not home and it starts. Did the car break down? Because that's a simple what if, right? Maybe the car broke down. Maybe they had a flat tire. Then it goes, maybe it was a wreck. What if they were in a wreck? What if they were kidnapped, right? What if they're in a cabin in the woods and no one's coming? What if they're wondering, why am I, am I not there? So, yeah, you, it just keeps going and going and going. What ifs have a lot of children. A lot of children in their lives. What we think about most determines what we become. It's a simple truth, but it's, it's true about everything in life, not just fear. So I, I, I want to ask you, how, how much do you think about what is? How much do you think about truth, God's truth? When was the last time you memorized a, a scripture? Because this world's going to do everything it can to get you to live with what is. Or what if. God's truth will get you to live with what is. When's the last time you thought about heaven? We're going to get to that in a minute. But right, and I'm going to say this now. We've done our best to make this heaven so we don't have to think much about heaven. Right? We've got the greatest houses, greatest cars, greatest everything in life, greatest vacations, greatest you name it. we got it all. And this becomes heaven so we don't ever have to think about heaven. You know how many times the Bible says think about what is to come? We're going to get there in a minute, but how often do you think about that? Because what we think determines what we become. 
Second thing that we learn is focus on the sovereignty of God. These are to help us deal with fear. There are three of them. Number one is focus on the sovereignty of God. We get this from Job chapter 38. Going to spend a little time here. You know Job's story. He lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his kids. It's the most tragic story ever. Most of us could not survive it. And he spends a lot of chapters asking God, why? Can you just give me a reason why? Help me see some rhyme or reason to this. God, explain yourself. And he even makes this statement. If this is what life is like, it would have been better for me had I never been born. I can't take it. In chapter 7, verse 11, he says, I will speak out of the anguish of my spirit and the bitterness of my soul. Have you ever talked to God out of the bitterness of your soul? Man, I have. How do you know you're doing that? You say things that would, just, that would justify God if he wiped you off the face of the earth. And I've said those things because I just didn't understand. This goes on and on in Job's life into chapter 38. And in chapter 38, God, God says, okay, I'm going to have a little meeting with Job. And I love the way he starts. He says to Job, brace yourself like a man. Well, you know it's coming when somebody says that. And he begins to ask Job some questions to refocus his life. So he asks him, he says, Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Job, did, did you determine how big the universe is? Who looked at the oceans and said, you'll come this far and no further, Job? Where were you when that happened? Where, where's the lightning store, Job? Who, who's the father of the rain, Job? Does it even have a father? All these questions, and, and what he's doing is he's trying to move his focus. So I, I want you to see this. The worst thing that could happen in a man's life, and here's what God says. I need you to think about how big I am. I need you to refocus your life for just a minute, and I need you to remember that Job, even though it looks like it's coming unhinged on your end, I'm still in control, Job. I am a sovereign God. Now, have you ever raised a kid? There is a lot that happens in this world to distract children. And you'll have those moments in life when you are calling your child's name and, and they're out there like, right? You know, when it gets really serious, it's the middle name. It was Richard Marshall. Just looking around. And so periodically with a child or grandchild, if you really want to get their attention, because listen to me, the world will make sure it does all it can to make you miss the important stuff. So you'll walk over and you'll take your child's face and you will put your hands on that child's face and you'll say, look at me. Now, you ever raised a child, you're going to put their hands on their face and they're going to do this. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, look, I just need you to see how real it is. Is that everything in life is trying to get them not to listen to you. I need you to see that at Job's worst moment, when everything was trying to make him forget who God was, God came, put his hands on Job's face and said, look at me. I'm your father. Just refocus, just look at me. Job, I'm still in control. I wonder 
if today God might be reaching out his hands, putting them on your face and say, look at me. Look at me. There's this great verse about fear and the sovereignty of God in Isaiah 41. It's verse 10. If you struggle with fear, write this down. It says, so do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I went in and I wrote this in some parentheses in that verse. Do not fear for I'm with you. That means I'm beside you. Do, do not be dismayed for I'm your God. That means I'm above you. I will strengthen you from the inside of you. I will help you from around you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am your foundation. hundred years ago, it seems like, when my kids were little, uh, we'd been out Christmas shopping. And uh, I, Brady, my oldest son, we came home from Christmas shopping. I, I was getting him out of the pickup truck. And uh, he said, Daddy, hold me. And he was big enough to walk and stuff. And, and I picked him up in the hall. I said, well, son, why do you want me to hold me? And he looked at me and said, because there's monsters out there. And I wrote an article. only ever written one thing in my life called, What Being a Father Taught Me That They Never Taught Me in Seminary. And I wrote about those times in life when you realize there's some monstrous stuff out there. And you need your father to hold you. Listen to me. Isaiah 41.10 is your daddy holding you. He's above you. He's below you. He's around you. He's in you. He is holding you. Third thing that we learn. Focus on what is to come. I skipped one. Focus on what those things which you're grateful for. Uh, Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 say this. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay. So we get afraid. This verse talks about what we always do. We pray. Right? But this is what prayer sounds like. God, whatever is making me afraid, take it away. Right? Fix it. Fix it, God. Fix it, God. Paul doesn't say... When you're anxious, to pray, fix it. He says, when you're anxious, pray gratitude. You know, let that sink in. When you're anxious, let your prayer, your supplication, with thanksgiving. So let's pause for a second. Why in the world would Paul say, when you feel like the wheels are falling off and you are afraid you're anxious, to stop and start thanking God? Here it is. Because gratitude keeps our focus on what is. Fear is about what isn't, what might be. What if? Gratitude is about what is. Look around and say thank you for what is. When my wife passed away, she passed away in May, and we went into the holiday season, and uh, I was not a grateful man. I was an angry man. And uh, we had a table, had six chairs at it, and... uh, there were five of us, and just like every family, right, you've got a spot you sit in around your table, right? You just don't go and randomly get a spot. Everybody comes in, and they get the chair they always get. I had a chair. My wife had a chair. My kids had a chair. We all sat the same place every time we had a table. And when she passed away, her chair was empty around the table. And all I could ever see was that empty chair. We'd go to eat, and there was an empty chair. And my focus was that empty chair. And I had a moment in my life 
where God, God said to me, you have chosen to focus on the empty seat. He said, how about looking at the seats that are still full? I had lost something significant in my life, but my life was still filled with a lot of things to be grateful for. You see, it pulled me into the present. I have a lot to be grateful for, even in the midst of my loss. Focus determines future. God gives you and I the ability to focus on anything we choose. We can choose bitterness, resentment, anger, or fear. Or we can apply Philippians 4, 8 that says, Think on honorable things, true things, pure things, lovely things, and excellent things. Just know that where we choose to focus determines where we go in life. Last thing, focus on what is to come. This is heaven. This is heaven. We don't think a lot about heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. Paul said in Philippians 1, 21, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So what do we learn? We learn to remember the temporary nature of this life. Listen, fear and anxiety is based in what this world is about, right? Here, here's fear. I fear my health. That's a this world thing. I fear my wealth. That's a this world thing. I fear somebody I love. Somebody, that's a this world thing, right? And, th- and this is what Jesus was saying. There's some stuff this world can touch. Don't you make a mistake about that. It can touch your health. It can touch your wealth, right? It can do a lot of things, but I'm gonna tell you what it can never touch. It can't touch where you're going. It can't touch your eternity. And this is what Scripture tries to get us to move toward, right? Think on what is to come. Think about heaven. Stop looking at this life because if all your focus is here, you're going to be filled with fear. And you're going to be filled with anxiety. The reason for our lives is not comfort. The reason for our lives is God's glory. Uh, When we pray, we often pray, God, take away what I don't like and give me what I do like. Uh, Nothing in all of Scripture would ever lead us to believe that following Jesus is about an easy life. So look at me. We're about, to, we're about done. If you decided to follow Jesus because you wanted an easy life, you've made a mistake. This is not an easy life. Uh, the reason we follow Jesus is to glorify God and to be conformed to the image of Christ. You know, well, what about the comfort? The comfort comes later. Paul said that the sufferings of this present age are nothing to be compared with what will be revealed, right? Is this is all about being conformed and glorifying. That what is to come is where we find the comfort. Now, two weeks ago, I preached this message on a Wednesday night. And uh, I realized when I was looking over it, I didn't answer the question. How much fear is okay? In the life of a follower of Jesus. Nowhere in this message did I answer that question. So I'm going to try to answer it now. Um, You cannot make yourself fear not. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, listen to me. I had a lady stop me and go, you set me free. I always felt like less of a Christian because I I live with anxiety and and I live with fear. You, You are helpless to fear not. You, you can no more fear not than you can save yourself. Nor forgive yourself. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere does the Bible say, if you're afraid, get a grip. Buy a gun. Right? Yeah. Figured that would resonate with you guys. <laughs> All right. Nowhere in the Bible does it say anything like that. Do you know what the Bible says about fear? Listen to this. 
All those 365 verses is what they say. God is your strength. God is your help. God is your foundation. God is your hope. That the solution to fear not is not you. You're not capable of it. It's God. And so what do we do? We do humble work. We do gritty work. We do what it takes to know God. And as we learn about God and as we know God, we change. We find ourselves thinking more about what is to come than what is. We learn to live without fear. Would you bow your heads with me today? I'm not sure if you're living uh, with the what ifs today. Uh, they're big. They're big and they can get out of control in life. And, and maybe if you are, God has just reached down and whispered in your ear, let's move to what is. What is true about life? What is true about me? What is true about to come? And refocus life. In a moment, you're going to have the opportunity to respond if God's spoken to you. Our ministers are here. Zach is here. Matthew is here. I'll be here. We'd love to pray with you. Because fear can be crippling. It can be crippling. And maybe through this message, you've looked at life and said, you know, I've never really, uh, I've never really had a thing for God. I've never followed him, never, never thought about it. But, but here lately, God's been doing something in my life. And I'd love to talk to someone about that. If that's you, step out. That's what our ministers are here for. We're going to pray, and this is our opportunity to respond to what God says. Father, thank you so much for what you have given us in your word. That, Father, this is a fearful world, and we need something bigger than this world to overcome it. Thank you for the hope of heaven and the promises of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.